If you're new to the podcast or this is your first episode that you're ever listening to, I welcome you here. And if you're coming back, welcome back. If you haven't already, please take a minute to just leave us a review and a rating on whatever podcast player you're listening on. And um, if you're going to be in Austin, Texas at South by Southwest on Saturday, March 9th at 9.30 a.m., Laura Aisha, the host of the Ignite Intimacy podcast, and then Ashley Manta, the Canisexual, and myself are going to be doing a live podcast recording of Ignite Intimacy at 9.30 a.m. at the Brazos Room in the JW Marriott, room 207. We would love to have you there if you can be in attendance to sit through us, talk about making disclosure sexy. Um, Laura has a very powerful presence, and I'm really looking forward to what it is that she has planned for us, but like I feel like a co-host here. Like I'm more excited to hear what she has to say about it than just being there and talking myself. So it, it hasn't really become real to me yet. I guess it'll happen once I get there and I'll probably lose my shit in excitement, but I really hope that if you can make it, you can be there. And if you can't, no worries. We'll um, upload the podcast to the Ignite Intimacy feed and I'll be sure to share that with you guys as well so that you're able to listen to it. But in light of recent conversations around disclosure, if you follow any of the hands members or you follow uh, any of uh, like Janelle Marie Pierce from the STD project, then you'll see that there have been a lot of conversations about disclosure and there have been recent conversations that are not very ethical information and they're not ethical, um, they're unethical uh, guidance, (laughs) so to speak. And I just want to share with you guys like the importance of disclosing and uh, there are going to just be people who don't disclose and there's nothing that we can do about that except for prepare ourselves um, and by understanding what the risks are. Um, we can communicate, we can wear condoms, we can do all these things, but ultimately we have to use our judgment of character, you know, filter people in, find uh, who they are and get, give yourself time to trust your gut, like follow your instincts about people everyone's not going to do the right thing. And we're aware of that. There's this entire gray area where there are people who will choose not to disclose. But think about how you felt when you may have found out that you had herpes and you weren't given that choice. You're taking away an element of consent for allowing someone to make a fully informed decision prior to moving forward. Thanks, L. Stanger, for sharing that information on your podcast, Strange Bedfellows. Um, I appreciate that, and I needed that, especially at this point in time for that, for the purpose of that conversation. But please understand that there are consequences, consequences that you may never face in not disclosing. Um, I've not disclosed, and I've had to go back and have very uncomfortable conversations with people. Fortunately, none of those people contracted it either. I don't know where mine came from, but I would have loved to have at least just been given the choice. I understand that rejection is a frightening thing, but again, it's not you that's being rejected. Please allow yourself to detach from the offer because it's just that. It's an offer. You're offering a sexual exchange that comes with the potential for contracting an SCI. And you have to be respectful of another person who may or may not be as informed as you may like them to be about it, but they're just declining the offer. They're not declining you as a person. Their rejection to the offer is not a reflection of who you are. So please understand that and know that this podcast was started because there are people who want to kill themselves after a new herpes diagnosis. And 
the people who may have passed it on to them may not ever know just because there's so much shame and stigma around having herpes that people just would rather just take this thing to the grave. And I cannot sit by and just allow for people to think that you not disclosing, especially if you know that that's okay because people kill themselves. People contemplate suicide as a result of a positive HSV diagnosis. And that is the reason that this podcast was started for those people. And now, fortunately, it's been able to branch out and help so many other people. And I'm very appreciative of all the support that we've been getting lately. And I just, I please understand that there are consequences. There are consequences to not disclosing. And these consequences are Ones that you may never come across. You may never understand what they are because they affect people differently. And hopefully one day we're at a place where the conversation around herpes is completely different. And it's just a matter of a thing in the past where, oh, yeah, I remember that used to be stigmatized or people used to think this about it. But, yeah, it's not a big deal now. Like, I'm informed about it. There's really nothing that you can do to avoid it if you're going to have sexual encounters with partners who may have been exposed to the virus. So that's what I'm working towards. And please don't undo the efforts that people like the other members of hands and myself are making by not disclosing and putting another person in position to potentially contemplate suicide. So that's my little spiel before we get into this episode um, with Anna. Thank you so much for listening again. Like I appreciate you all so, 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 so much. And um, when you finish this episode or if you're multitasking, please go and check out Waxo, W-A-X-O-H. Um, as you know, I'm a dating positive spokesperson. They support this podcast and allow for me to continue to provide content to you all on the weekly basis by supporting me. And so... If you can, go check out the SCI resources that they have available on their website, on their blog, Waxo, W-A-X-O-H. Um, Dr. Lori Batito was just featured in the Spotlight article on there. We've had her as a guest on the podcast, and I'll be on her uh, radio show next week. Actually, Monday. I'm excited for that. I don't I don't know what we're going to be talking about, but I'm excited for it. And um, you can also check out a little sex ed piece that was done talking, excuse me, talking about... Uh, Different people's experience with sexual education is the most recent article up there at the time of the posting of this podcast. So be sure to get on there, check it out. I have um, a few other blogs that I've written on there. I'm going to be submitting one this weekend. It's going to be specifically about rejection. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. And like I said, I just needed to include this little piece at the beginning, um, just in light of the recent situation where a medical professional shared that it was okay not to disclose. I had to counter that. So check this out. Let me know what you guys think. Please leave a review, a rating, a comment, anything. Message me. I'm on social media at H on my chest. Check it out. That's the beauty of this. Like I get to say whatever I want to say. And then later on, depending on what my mood is, decide if it stays or not. It's so fun. That's awesome. (laughs) Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People, a hub of sexual health resources for the emotional aftercare of an individual who is newly diagnosed with an STI. I like how I just switched that up and pulled it out of my ass. (laughs) But that's really what this has become now. It started out as a resource for people who uh, were newly diagnosed and were contemplating suicide and here we are almost two years later still doing this podcast still finding guests to interview and I remember when 
I was hoping to just do one episode a month because it seemed like no one wanted to talk about this. But thanks to all of the listeners for recommending guests, for rating and reviewing this podcast and getting it additional exposure so that people have been able to reach out to me directly and make the decision to join this podcast. And it also helps when I approach new people who I may just stumble across doing different things with their lives and herpes just isn't really significant to them. I've been able to present this to them in a way that is more appealing for them where they get something out of it by taking the time to sit and talk with me about their HSV experience. Now, all of these experiences have been very useful to people. We can interchangeably swap out herpes or HIV or AIDS or HPV with any other life situation. And we're left with a story of perseverance, someone facing uh, adversity, working their way through it. And each story has its own lessons with it that we can all learn from and take something away from. So today I'm here with Anna. We are going to talk about her personal experience. She, her are your pronouns, right? Yeah. Okay. Anna and I are going to talk about her personal experience with HSV. We're going to go through her diagnosis, when she was diagnosed, what was going on around that time, the typical format of the podcast. And then we want to talk about some stuff at the end about how the mind works and how you can shift your mindset in order to really work with this positive diagnosis that you may have and make it work for you rather than spending so much of your energy working against it. So Anna, you said some very nice things about me and the podcast before we got started, and I wish I would have hit record, but it's okay. I heard them. Everybody else doesn't need to hear it. It's cool. So we can skip that part and just go right into um, your introduction. Where are you from? Thank you. Well, I'll still acknowledge you in front of everyone <laughs> that you're amazing, and I love everything that you do, and I'm super, super happy and blessed and feel honored to be here with you today. So um, thank you for that. I appreciate that. I am originally from Colombia. I was born in Colombia, and I've been living in Florida for more than half of my life, 18 years now. More than half of your life? Yeah, so I've been here 18 years. I'm 31. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I never want to ask someone how old they are because I just assume that everybody's my age and that's gotten me in trouble lately because uh, I train people <laughs> at a gym and I I talk to everybody and make the assumption that everyone's 30 and it never occurs to me that there's someone in there who's like 22 years old or 25 because I am not the same person I was when I was 25, 20 years old. So there's this language barrier and one of our other trainers there, he's young, he's 23 and when we're all texting in our group chat about you know when we're going to be at the gym when we have people coming he'll text us like he's 23 and i'll just be like what <laughs> it just makes me feel so old Anna. Ah. again mindset yeah there you go <laughs> i'm still a child at heart like i my last post was about just saying like how people talk about like oh they're 30s like how people used to say oh the 30s is your best times and i'll i used to think like when i used to meet people that were 30 i'll be like oh my god that's old right and i'm like i am the bomb like i'm 31 holy cow i've never been this hot ever and i'm only about to get hotter and like mine so yeah. that's just mindset like that's just how i think about it you know uh -huh. tricking it this little thing yeah <laughs> speaking of mindset you want to tell us what you do for a living absolutely yeah sure we'll start with that <laughs> i have a background in psychology i'm a i went to school for psychology and my life work has always been about self-development that was always my passion to read books. It was never comics, anything, like nothing else, just stuff about it. So I went to school and I decided before I got my master's, I was like, I, I'm done. I'm just going to be a coach. And 
throughout the process, I didn't know what I was going to make it about. I just knew that I wanted to help people with their mindset and continue to be positive and learn from everything that happened in their life. But when I got diagnosed with herpes, it was a huge thing in my life. And I guess I'm just going to dig into it right now. I was diagnosed five years ago. When that happened, I had just gotten out of a seven-year relationship. I had moved back home close to my parents and my family, and I was completely lost. I didn't know who I was. I was 25, and I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Who am I? I've been devoting so much time and like my life into this guy, and now I just don't know who I am and where I'm going. So I had a huge freak out. Being diagnosed, I just got really consumed in my experience of it. And I went through a depression for a few months. Like my therapist, after I got done with everything, she was like, I almost diagnosed you with depression because I, I got to a point that I didn't know if I could actually like help you get out of there because you had to do it yourself. So I went to therapy for a few months and that therapist just helped me develop so many tools that I could use in life in order to get out of that. I always talk about that moment because for me, it's just, I love looking at the dark side and our shadow as something so powerful that we can make it our best friend. And that's why I started to do in those dark moments when I would be at my mom's house and I was just in the shower, water running over. <laughs> <laughs> special guest appearance know, special <laughs> and then I would just be on the floor crying thinking my life was completely over and then it just got to a point that throughout therapy I told myself you're not going to let yourself get consumed by this you got to own this you're 25 years old what are you going to do the rest of your life are you going to end it are you going to continue to be like this what are you going to do how are you going to make money how are you going to make a living how are you going to make an impact it's like you got to get over this Anna so I just started to talk to myself and I started to disconnect from that. And I started realizing that all the research I did about herpes, most of it just came from this fear of experiencing herpes and the view that everybody in our society had about it. Hearing about that was like quicksand just in it, in it, in it. And it just got deeper and deeper. And then it just, I just got to a point that I just stopped myself and it was kind of like the world stopped and I looked around me and I said, what the fuck is this? I said, I'm not going to let this shit consume me. I said, I'm going to own it. This thing is mine, is my beast. You're going to work with me and I'm going to do something with it. And then I just started disconnecting. And I, it was like, like my white wolf, my lovely dog, like that. You know, I just like started walking with this beast and I just started letting it empower me and doing some soul searching, like taking solo trips understanding like why I did what I did, the thoughts that came to my mind, how I was in those thoughts, all of those things. And it was just like so powerful. And with myself, it took me time to understand what I had to do because this is something that I talk about and I just, I'm just going to say it, that I've known for years that I've had a huge calling to help people, but I didn't know what it was. And when I got herpes and then I started through this journey, I said, this is my calling. Even if I didn't want it to happen, this happened to me because I'm going to make, like, I'm the kind of person that I will do something with it. And so I decided after a breakup, which I share this in one of my videos too, after a breakup that um, <laughs> I was having sex with him and he had had a few drinks 
And so the condom broke and he realized that the condom broke and he ran to the bathroom. And I was looking at him from the bed and he sat in the toilet and he was pouring hydrogen peroxide on his penis. And I was like, wow, that's what he actually thinks. Like he's mine. That's what his mind makes him do because he's so scared that he might get something. We went through that breakup and then I was just pondering and pondering on things. And I was like, that's it. It's herpes. I'm making my coaching about herpes. And so I turned it all around and then I started talking to everyone and their mother about herpes and disclosing it to everybody in my circle so that I could own it. And then I just started owning it. I took a lot of personal development courses so I would get in, in a stage and speak in front of like 200 and something people like, I have herpes and this happened to me and just alive. And people were like, how do you do this? And I was like, my beast, you know? And so it just kept empowering me and empowering me. And about eight months ago was the first um, YouTube video that I posted saying I have herpes and I just shared my story. And I was like, I recorded myself in my car when I was driving and I said, do it. And even if you didn't even post it, record it because this is the only way that you're going to make it happen. So I recorded myself and then I just, I was like, I'm just probably going to delete this, but I was tricking my, my mind. I love doing mind tricks. This is something I do in my coaching too. So I'm like, yeah, just trick yourself, right? I was like, just record it. You're not going to post it. And so then one day I just hit YouTube and I was like, boom, and I was like, post that thing. And I was just shaking and I had no clue what the turn all was going to be. And I was like, ah, ah, post it. And I was like, this is my experience with herpes. And I posted it. And then it was like, I'm still feeling the energy. Like I just feel it all over again. And when I posted it, it had like, of course, people love like gossip and people love this like, ooh, what is it that happened? So it's just like, I use that towards like it and I shared it and it was such a great impact. Like people were coming to me and I've had people from everywhere just reaching at me, like thanking me how I shared my experience and then it just kept on empowering me. So super long story. <laughs> there were two things that were important about your story. The first is you knew that your partner had herpes yeah so yeah so i met this guy after my relationship after i ended that relationship and i was like hey i just want to have sex it was the first guy that i had sex with after the relationship and he didn't tell me he had herpes the first weekend we spent together and he told me at the end and i thought i was like it was kind of like a smack in the face i was like uh, i don't even know how to feel because you're telling me but you didn't tell me before so I didn't know how to deal with that, but then we just continued to see each other. And yeah, after I knew about it, and then I was like, okay, well, herpes, it's not a big deal. Like, it's just herpes. Then it happened. The important thing here is that you asked him if he had anything, and he told you no. This happened, and then afterwards when, oh, I guess I'm probably not going to see you again, I guess I can go on and tell you. That's when he came out and said, oh, I have something to tell you. I have herpes. This huge red flag is thrown in your face <laughs> and you still consider this person to be worth it because you really like them or because you figured, oh, well, I probably have it now. Or did you just do your research and you understood what the risks were and how common it was and you were just OK with eventually contracting herpes? At that point in my life, I was in a really low point where I wasn't really valuing myself because I had been so consumed in that relationship that I was discovering myself. 
I was 25. I had been in a relationship for seven years. I hadn't really dated, of course. I hadn't dated like from high school to 25, you know. So I did it because my self-esteem was at a place where I just, I didn't know I handled it, how I handled it. But now when I look back and I reflect on it, I did it from a place of insecurity and complacency in a sense because I liked them and I was really attracted to him. And it was just like what I was doing. So I was just doing things to do them, not really thinking about like the consequences uh, of what that would bring. And I did no research. I just said, perfect. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I heard at some point in, in health class that, you know, that's one of SDIs and so it's not going to kill me. In your mind, yeah. it was just herpes, but you liked him. Okay. So I just went with it. And yeah, but my mindset just wasn't in the right place either. Yeah. When you did get diagnosed, it was almost expected. What was your reaction to the diagnosis? I knew I had it before I even got told I had it because I started feeling a tingling sensation in my spine. And I texted him and I said, oh, I'm feeling a tingling sensation in my spine. And he was like, oh my God, you got it. The world stopped. And I was like, okay. Uh, here's what you got to deal with now. What are you going to do? And even my friends at some point, like I have a friend that was really close to me at that time. And she was like, I was more worried about it than you were. So I just kind of just took it as like, Hey, I pretty much chose it, you know, cause I knew, so I knew I had to take responsibility mm-hmm. with what I had done. And with your culture you said you're from Colombia, and you don't mean like Colombia, missouri or Colombia uh in (laughs) dc okay (laughs) all right now (laughs) you got here at 13 i don't know if you had any sexual education to that point i've always (laughs) known or read about or seen um, in media that colombian culture has been more sexually liberated or more in tune with the emotions and real flirty and just naturally uh, have this very sexually charged energy behind it, as opposed to where we are in America, you know, we're sexually oppressed. And you approach this like, okay, you know, I want to have sex with you. And then when you knew about uh, him having herpes, it was like, oh, okay, well, it's herpes. It is what it is. Do you think that your background your culture, your upbringing, your family had any sort of influence on your sexuality? Well, I think it's amazing. You ask really good questions, Worthy. Uh, this is great because I told my dad I was going to be doing this podcast and he was like, oh my God, you got to send it to me. And so it's great that you bring that up because I think that culture does have a huge, a huge impact on how we see sexuality and Growing up, I'm an only child, and thankfully, both of my parents were actually extremely open with me when it comes to sexuality, and you're absolutely right when it comes to um, our culture in Colombia being so open. We are extremely sexual beings. (laughs) We are just really flirty. We're pretty open about sex. Uh, Women are all voluptuous. We have a really sexual culture, and within that, there's still a lot of judgment. So I grew up in a Catholic mindset. I went to Catholic school and I grew up in a really, oh, you're a girl and you're like this and da-da-da-da-da. All of these guidelines and how you're supposed to be, how you're not supposed to be, all of that. I had my dad and my dad was 
a man that I just absolutely love that man. He used to sit with a towel and say, if you were, you're a lady, so you're wearing a skirt, this is how you sit. And man, this is what man wants. He used to tell me, man wants sex. And you got to be careful because you got to think of your future. So he raised me with that mindset where he always guided me, letting me know that drugs were out there, sex was out there, this is how men would approach certain things, all of that. Same thing with my mom, you know? So they were really open with me, and that, that's why I was... This is something that I don't say often, but I actually kept myself in that seven-year relationship too because... Being a really sexual person, I actually did have a a thing about like how is this gonna play out. Having had gotten herpes after herpes, it was something that it just brought light. It was like light was just like put in my face. Like this is what you gotta deal with if you don't deal with the consequences of what your urges takes you to. Yeah, are you so saying I, you stayed in that seven year relationship for the sex? No, 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 no. Oh, right. I mean, we were in a relationship and everything, like, we worked towards things. But when it came to sex, I had a fear about me that I was so sexual that I was like, okay, I'm in a relationship and I'm growing with this person. And this is way safer than, like, me not being in a relationship. Okay, you got know? it. Because after I got herpes, I realized all the things that I had to actually become responsible for within sex. The things that you didn't have to really think about. Uh, in a relationship such as getting tested or or you were in a monogamous relationship so you didn't see there being a point of having to get tested or have that conversation or look at SCDs or look at SCIs or look at protective measures and things like that it was just probably a matter of being on birth control and going from there okay so we're looking at you in a relationship and then you exiting that relationship so now you're a new person essentially like you're the same person from the relationship and you're applying that to dating in what was five years ago 2014 2015 going out with the mindset of Anna who was in the relationship with someone who was safe and secure you went out and you were trusting you were trusting of someone to be open and honest with you and kind of guide you through dealing with it because it was just something that you never had to deal with before right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so that was all right i just wanted to bring that up to kind of connect some dots there oh you did a great point all right (laughs) thank you your culture your background your environment was very influential in your sexual being and just how comfortable you are like in your body and with your sexual energy um the second point that i want to make (laughs) way later was you said something very interesting about making this diagnosis become your beast and I think that that's powerful because I use my diagnosis when I was using it I guess as a filtering mechanism so if I'm disclosing to someone and I tell you I have herpes that's my way of seeing, you know, just how you respond to it is going to determine how you'd respond to a lot of other things. And I understood pretty early that any rejection wasn't a reflection of myself. It was a reflection of that person's beliefs and views toward the stigma, which is really just a collection of opinions from individuals who 
have no idea what it's like to have herpes or they just don't know they have herpes. So it's one of those things that just continues to remain a joke. It continues to remain, you know, just some sort of humorous tool. And so whenever I would decide whether or not someone was worth disclosing to, it's like, okay, well, do I see myself with them sexually? And I always say that you have to have these standards going into dating or going into any sexual encounter of this is what I am going to have. Like, that's what a standard is. And a lot of people think that they have too high expectations or they're told that they have a lot of high expectations or too many expectations. And that's not really the case. Those are standards. Typically, those people have they hold themselves to a high standard of this is how I'm going to be treated. This is how I'm going to be communicated with. This is where I'm going to be respected. The same amount of love that I give myself is exactly what I am going to get back. When you have expectations, people can let you down from those. You can be disappointed. They can be miscommunicated, not met. Whereas your standards are very similar to your boundaries and they're not flexible. So for me, Whenever I would date using herpes as a a tool, a filtering tool, there was a date I'd go on. If anyone was not receptive to a conversation about sexual health at all, or if they were negative about it or very used stigmatizing language, I had an instance come up where someone was like that before we even started the date. And that let me know right then and there. Oh, okay. well, one of my standards is someone who's going to be open minded. And if we couldn't even begin to have a discussion without you jumping to the judgmental side of things. And I know this date isn't going to work out. And that was the end of that. Whereas with people I don't know about, and then things come up or they open up about something that they've had to deal with. Now I have this herpes, this challenge that allows for me to open up to them as well and be vulnerable with them too. Your beast for you was walking into rooms and saying, I have herpes. And when you were on those presentations, you just got more and more empowered. You you fed this animal, this beast of yours. And I just think that it's cool to imagine herpes as something that's working with you and for you than it is to be struggling with figuring it out. Like you can either allow your mind to keep you in this dark place where you're just weighed down and you don't know what's happening. You're just swinging at the darkness. And you can just use your mind to transform that darkness into a cute little bird that you can look at or like a big ass dragon that you can fly on and be ferocious with. Or in my case, (laughs) it was just like a screen, (laughs) you know, hey, what do do you think about herpes? Oh, okay. well, on to the next. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing what you just said, because I definitely use that as a filter as well. And I still do. I That's why, like I told you before, I'm actually grateful for herpes. I am I'm grateful for it because it taught me so many things about life that I probably would have not learned if I would have continued being in that relationship or if I would have just dated and like had random sex encounters and I would have never realized that FBIs was something that I I could have dealt with or that I could have got so when it happened I just turned it around and what you said about darkness it's fighting with darkness it's ridiculous it's almost like fighting with life we can't fight with life we gotta become everything everything that we face in life we just gotta something negative or bad happens quote unquote I look at it and I'm like Hmm. what lesson do you have for me? You're this little person that you just wrapped into all of this 
you know, things that I don't like or might not like in this moment, but what is your lesson? And then I just take those things as lessons. So when I fail, I've actually replaced the word failure with feedback. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, thank you. Episode so title. I, <laughs> what? Sounds like an episode title. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so <clears throat> I see ourselves as we have, I love using this analogy of walking in the woods. So when a bad situation, quote unquote, because I don't even like using negative language, and that's another thing that's huge for me, language, because language is constantly reprogramming our mindset, and I'm all about reprogramming our belief system. That's what I do in my coaching, right? So when you're walking in the woods, and you're just stepping on all this, you know, broken branches, and you're like, oh my God, what's going to come up? What's going to come up? And you just keep walking. You just got to keep walking and you're going to learn the lesson. You got to learn. And then when you come out of it, you're going to be like, I am a badass. I own this thing. And if a beast comes, you own it. But if you let it take over you, you're done. So I decided to use that beast with me. And it's just so powerful because it makes me, I get goosebumps talking about this stuff. Yeah. In what ways, in what practical ways have you used this beast? Are we talking about in dating as well? Because we talked about how you've used it career-wise and being more confident and learning to love yourself. But out there in the real world, uh, in dating, a lot of people would probably be curious to know how you use this beast there. I use the beast to understand people like i use that dark side to i click in it in the gym but when it comes to dating i'll look at it as like okay you little beast you that you've experienced things you help me find out what is this what is this person like what are they like what what is their dark side like how can my dark side connect to theirs without even actually their dark side actually coming out but how can my dark side understand what it, what it's experienced, what it's tasted in life to know where that person's coming from, right? Because a lot of people, when we date, we start seeing blind spots about those people. When it comes to this guy that I dated, that blind spot of his was that it's just not right to do like the way that he approached things, right? And I mean, we're actually still friends. We still, we, we speak to this day and we were able to work through a lot of things and that's also, that was a lot of healing, right? Um, but I think it's important that we understand that just like we have our dark side, everybody else does too. And when a person doesn't own that beast, that beast can own them. Yeah. I think that exploring the dark side is sort of a path to reconnecting to consciousness. A lot of us operate very subconsciously or unconsciously, I'm sorry, uh, navigating the world. We place way more value on things that really aren't all that important. So connecting to someone who has sat with their darkness, someone who has embraced it or even conquered it, or just aware that they have darkness, being able to connect there is a whole different world because you've gone through something that not very many people can connect to. Um, I was speaking with someone earlier today and we talked about how she doesn't like large crowds, but she does like very deep conversation. I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, the bigger the crowd, 
the more the smaller the talk can be. So you got small talk in big crowd situations, but when you're in small intimate settings, that's where you can have those large uh, cosmic conversations. And usually that's what happens. You know, you're able to sit with someone and identify what their 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 darkness is or dark side or uh, the the thing that they may not want people to know about. And you're able to connect there. And that's ultimately what we want. We want to be able to connect with the people who are willing to do the work because these just tend to be people who have a much more open minded perspective or let's say expansive uh, perspective rather than limited. You know, these people are the people that you can learn more from, be it from just a conversation, be it from sex, be it from uh, going and doing something that requires your attention or going to the gym. Any type of connection, connection to self or others should always be able to expand some sort of perspective you know you guys want to help each other you want to connect you want to be able to grow you want to be able to learn from each other and I've found myself to not really have much patience for wanting to be around someone who has more of a limited perspective who's very narrow-minded because we can't connect we can't talk about that darkness because in their limited perspective, not saying that that's a good or a bad thing, they just choose to look at things a certain type of way where you want to cover up that darkness. You don't want to deal with it yet. But best believe, you know, once it does happen, I'm going to be here to hear all about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's You took me to a lot of spaces with what you just said, and that was awesome. And that is one thing that when it comes to dating, for example, I have, I have a friend that, a dear friend, I, I cherish him with all of my heart. And we have had these conversations where we have a really deep relationship, a really deep friendship, and I coach him through a lot of stuff. And one thing that I helped him get connected with was his dark side, right? So I said, you have to name your dark side. And first, he thought that that was a little bit too out there. He's like, I don't know, I'm going to need some time with this. And I was like, okay, cool. And a week later, he was like, I've named it. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is power. I'm like, let's get into this dark side. Let's explore this thing. It's just so enticing. It's like juicy. It's like, I don't know. It's just, I love it. You know, so like when you're able to have a person that you're dating or you're so close with, like you said, you're both in the same mindset. And you're both know, and you're aware that you have your beast, but you are able to disconnect from that beast and it has its own identity. Then when you have discussions or when you have a problem or an issue that you're confronting, you're able to actually talk to each other and be like, hey, that's your beast coming up. That's not you. And it's a beautiful place to be able to connect with someone on that level. Because that's the way that you can actually walk in life with someone. You can conquer the world, literally, with someone. Because you you have these entities that feed you all this darkness. But when you're able to look at the darkness and be like, hey, listen, thank you for sharing. But I don't need you right now. You're not coming into play in this moment. That's powerful. When you're able to tell your person, get your beast under control. It's not going to rule our relationship. We have bigger goals. When you're able to have that with someone, that's just, I mean, I'm just, I, I'm all goosebumps right now because 
that's been my life work to be able to disconnect from that and own that. And if I'm able to date a person that owns their beast, then you guys can conquer anything. And no matter what self-belief, what belief system, you got it. So that's like the powerful thing when it comes to dating and being able to date someone that has the same mindset. Because if you're dating someone that has a lower mindset and hasn't put the time into themselves, you can expect the person to play at your level, like you said. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You gotta meet someone that has put in the work in themselves and have have sweated, have screamed, have drowned in it. They're screaming in it. They're like, I'm fucking winning my life over this. I'm gonna make it happen. When you meet a person that has placed all that work in themselves, you won the lottery. That's why I think that a lot of relationships fail because we have not taken the time to ourselves to go deep within because it's the hardest work that can happen. We're living in a world where it's the outside and the inside, but in reality, everything on the outside is actually a reflection of what's on the inside. Everything's a reflection. Our inside world is everything. Mm -hmm. Every relationship we accept, every relationship we don't accept, everything we think that we deserve and we don't deserve, we have created that within ourselves with our belief system and the way that we speak to ourselves, how we program our mind, how we describe our world and how we create it. So yeah. it's such a powerful thing. And you said that you don't use you you don't use negative language anymore. I'm not perfect. I'm yeah. human. <laughs> but, You're you working know, at that. I try to be super aware of it. Like I just try to look at my thoughts as bubbles. I call them bubbles. I'm like, oh, a bubble's coming. What did you say? <laughs> I pop up. Like, no, no, you know? Yep. And then you let the ones you like just linger for a while. Like, oh, that's a good thought. I'll keep you for a while. Okay, all right, we're done here. <laughs> I like yeah. it. In the use of negative language, I've found that to have a lot to do with my upbringing. The way that I am now is as a result of negative language to me as a kid because it would send me down a path away from the behavior that my family, my parents didn't want me to do from don't be like this. Don't be like that. Don't do this thing. You can't do that. And it sent me in the direction of anything. Like I use a pivot point. So if you just draw a dot in the center of the paper and you just go in one direction, you hit the border and it's like, okay, you can't do that. You find yourself constantly doing that rather than being given any sort of direction where to go. And I use this example of being uh, told not to be like my father from my mom, my parents were not together as far as I can remember. I've never seen them in the same room except for my college graduation. And to me, that was normal. Like it wasn't a big deal. I got to see my dad on weekends and my mom raised me and I had step parents and all that kind of stuff. So it was normal to me. But for my mom to say, don't be like your father and then for me to grow up like okay well what is this what does that even mean okay i won't be like him so i'll be more like you and then i'm trying to be more like her and she's like no i'm a woman you can't don't be like me don't act like me and so there's just this whole zigzagging navigating through life confused <laughs> trying to figure out okay who am i supposed to be like and that leads you just down this path of not being able to give yourself any real sense of direction. If I'm not supposed to be like him, then who am I supposed to be like? Am I supposed to be like this person? What about that person? You know, when am I supposed to do this or that? And so the negative language, the narrative that I've had growing up has been my family 
would get divorced or relationships wouldn't work out because someone cheated. Okay, don't cheat. How do you go about not cheating? And then all these different ideas come to mind. Just like, okay, well, if the cheating is removed from the table, if we can't cheat, then our relationship is going to last. And I played that out in college. This narrative of just don't cheat meant if I have an urge to be sexual with someone else or whatever it is that's considered cheating. At that point in time, it was having sex with another girl while I had a girlfriend. That's cheating. I would always find a way to fight and break up or get out of my relationship temporarily just long enough to go and do what I needed to do and then go back into my relationship. So you can see how fucked up that is. Reframing that, it's been leading me towards the direction of a non-monogamous style relationship to where that's ethical and it's understood like okay we're in a relationship cheating isn't on the table because we're going to communicate we're going to be open and honest and transparent about our relationship and that's where the negative language steered me i say that to say this like how can we make better use of that negative language if we're someone who just doesn't have the positive language yet to help guide us into the direction that we want to go. Holy cow, I feel like we could make a thousand podcasts from what you just said. We can. <laughs> that was freaking awesome. That was, I was like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. Uh. <laughs> well, <clears throat> yeah, so it is said that a child's mind, or mind, is pretty much programmed up to like the first seven years of life. And so everything, our belief system arises of everything that we have experienced as a first throughout our lives. And our parents are our first guides. Like our moms is our first view of a woman and the man is the first view of the man. Whatever we end up making meaning of those experiences, that's what the mind is programmed with. Plus whatever it actually came with from the store, which is from our ancestors, you know? I think that there's just so many ways to go about this. When I wasn't aware of my thoughts as much as I am now, and what I could say to a person that wants to start this path is everything starts with awareness. The reason why I say that it's important to understand that those thoughts were not those thoughts, it's because when a thought comes, for example, you spoke about cheating. And this is something that if you're open to do a podcast when it comes to cheating and belief systems and whatever came from like our parents, I am totally in for that because I experienced those things and I went through that and I was able to, the word that I like to use is deconstruct, right? So when we deconstruct these things, it's the same thing that we're doing with disconnecting and uh, pulling that thing away from us. So when something negative happens, and again, quote unquote, I like to look at it as, this is negative, why? And how is it that this can be a cue for me to look at it? That if something bad is happening in my life, that is the thing I'm gonna work on. Oh shoot, I just got charged this huge fee because I didn't pay whatever bill or you know, my credit's going down because I didn't make this payment. Okay, got it, so I just, messed up my credit for a few points what can i do and i don't even know why i went to credits go ahead because i'm rebuilding my credit <laughs> the mind took me there Ooh, credit yeah um but if it's let's say dating okay where we start dating a person and then all of a sudden a red flag comes and then we're like oh this person looks like maybe maybe they might cheat and you're like ah, i'm just gonna ignore this and then they cheat on you and then they're like oh they have cheated on me 
<laughs> you're so you're being so Colombian right now with the with the <laughs> drama. It just reminds me of uh, damn it, what's her name? Uh, Gloria, Gloria. No, I don't. I don't know her name. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> when you just did that, perfect imitation. Yeah, but you made the face. You made the face and everything. You did the posture. <laughs> Is it mental masturbation? Well, I do that too, but that's another topic. <laughs> but no, but I, I, I call it like, I call it uh, mind fox because I create scenarios in my head and I'm like, ooh. That's the new, that's the new title for this podcast. Mental masturbation. Mind fox. <laughs> yeah, mind fox. What is your perfect, what is your, what is your favorite mind fox? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, well, while we're on the topic of fucking, you're not doing that. (laughs) You're celibate as of August 2018? Yes, I'm loving it. Okay. Yeah, it's really interesting. Now, how did you get into celibacy? Okay, so a few months ago, I actually brought it up to a friend of mine. And I said, I've been wanting to be celibate for some time. And I was like, this is the perfect time because I'm working on my business, I'm building everything, I'm getting out of debt, I'm doing all these things to like really build myself, work, self-esteem, badassness, you know, new word, to just like, um, and I think that being celibate would be really powerful to use this energy towards creation because sexual energy is creating energy, you know. I decided to make it a thing. <laughs> How challenging is that? Because I think a lot of people can benefit from it. Me not being one of them at all. But <laughs> is it just not engaging with other partners? Or is it no masturbation, no porn, no nothing sexual at all? Is everything sexual removed? Or is it just no sex with another person? Uh, 
a truly sexual being. And this is something that I've struggled with. Struggle, not really, but something that I've had to learn to deal with, like what I I shared in the beginning, with how to handle my sexual energy, which really is creation energy. So it's like when you're able to channel that energy into creation in a different source, like my business, then it's going to be powerful. I've never heard that before. Yeah. You just blew my mind. It's extremely interesting. Yeah, it's extremely... Coming from the perspective of a woman and the embodiment of what a woman is, we are the portal to life. We are the creating beings. We create a human being with a man, and then it's birthed through us. That is the most powerful freaking thing on earth. No one would be here if it wasn't for women, right? And men, of course, we're all part of the process. But that's sexual energy, you know, a root chakra, you know? Like, it's just so, the energy is so beautiful, but it has, it has also been tainted for different purposes. And I could go on and on and on about this, about how even the herpes, how all the medicine and all these things that it's like, how it's manipulated, you know. So I won't go that route because I'll just start rambling and going for hours. But I think that it's so important to be able to, if we're able to channel that energy and look at it as the purest form of energy that we can create anything with it, you have the world in your hands. And it can be so pure or it can be so dirty or dark or whatever you want to describe it as, but it's really just purity. So I decided that I was going to take this upon myself to test myself and test my boundaries of how I'm gonna go with it. And uh, would I have been able to go six months without sex? Jeez, this is uh, I haven't had physical sexual contact with another human being in the past year. Now, would I be able to go all of that time without enjoying myself? No. <laughs> so, yeah. But within that, you also learn to know yourself. And that's another part that we can tie it to what we spoke about in the beginning that it is so important for you to put time into yourself in order to know what satisfies you, where your true desire comes from, how you can be in tune with your body so you can be in tune with somebody else. So it's like that pureness, that light, how can you can connect with another person? Just like the darkness, how can you connect both things? Because sexual energy is powerful because you can connect on, a, on, a, on such a loving way of connecting souls with each other, that that is a powerful way to have a sexual connection with someone. And within that, we also, when we know how to connect with a sexual energy that way, that is powerful. There's so much. There's just so much in all of that. I always say there's layers to layers because we can talk about one subject, but there's always going to be an underneath, underneath, another layer, the layers, 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 little nuance, little thing that we might not be able to see, but the more that we deepen, the more we're able to learn from them, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I am just having sex with myself. I'm in a relationship with myself. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sometimes I actually use uh, <laughs> content to... Yeah, I like how you put it. <laughs> content. Yeah. I love content. <laughs> right. But that's another interesting part, too, because when you're also separating yourself and being 
celibate, there's there's a sort of pureness that you can go with, or there's a sort of darkness that you can get into. And I've explored myself going into both. I have looked at my sexual energy and I have looked at masturbation as something that I can really honor my being or I can make it just like connect that with my shadow. And when you connect your sexual energy with that shadow, that can be a really dangerous place too. And this is a whole other topic, but this is where I observe those bubbles and I disconnect and I deconstruct, you know, so I'm always stepping outside of things, but yeah, being celibate has been absolutely powerful and I'm actually, my plan is to go through with it for a few more months. Good. So my business is up and running because this energy is also going to help me with the people, with, with whoever I'm coaching mm-hmm. to get in touch with that themselves. So okay. I've made my life a life work so that I can actually help others. So All that's right. what I'll continue to do. How challenging is dating while you're celibate? And have herpes. Man, <laughs> we got a lot here. <laughs> Ooh, I just love this podcast. It's uh, the whole world in one. Um, well, really interesting. So, one, I am not dating. <laughs> I'm not dating. I Because when you're attracted to someone, your sexual energy is just going to come up. We're, we're beings and we're adults. And when you kiss someone, you're not just going to kiss them. You're going to start touching each other. And if you touch each other... Oh, shoot. It just happened. You know, so I'm really protecting my energy when it comes to who I hang out with, what I listen to, where I go to, um, all of these things, because all of that influences us. So I'm being extremely cautious of what I do. And mostly it's really just like myself and my dog. I'm at work. I'm at my other job. I'm on doing all my business. I might hang out with my parents. I might hang out with a friend once in a while. But it's always in a really mindful state of me understanding what could happen and what has happened in the past that I'm willing to change now that I don't want those things to continue to go in the same route that they were going in the past. And that's also one of the reasons why I started, why I decided that I wanted to be celibate. Because I don't want to continue feeding those self-patterns, belief systems that I had about myself, and even those views that I had about relationships. And I could go on and on about that too. <laughs> Well, um, we're hitting the time point here. We could talk for hours and hours and hours. So we'll have to have you back on here or maybe do some live videos or something like that. Even just if it's just a YouTube or IGTV video or something like that. But before I let you go, is there anything else you want to leave us with and then let people know how they can find you? Um, Yes, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you. This was absolutely amazing. I feel like there's just so much content in here. And I'm so excited to listen to this and share it. Um, what I would like to leave people with is, I like to say that I would like for people to know that they don't have to accept their present reality as their reality. That whatever it is that they're going through right now is just lessons that they need to learn in order for them to get where they need to go or when they where they really where they want to go really because we don't need to go anywhere it's all about the goals that we set for ourselves right so depending on the sense that we go of the goals that we set for ourselves we can lay a path and then there's a certain path that we got to walk and within that path there's things that we got to let go of so we can get lighter and lighter and start adopting the things that we do need to help us get to where we need to get. So it's 
in my perspective, I'm all about the mindset and I'm all about the, the language. I'm huge on that. So I thank you for everything that you do because this is extremely healing for people to be able to hear all of their experiences and be able to connect. And I think that as much as we also need to be connected with each other, there's also a disconnection that we got to create to find ourselves. And yeah, that would be that. And when it comes to me, I've been working really hard on my, I'm working on a six week program that I will soon be having out. So um, I'm launching my website this week, probably next week. And so I could, I, I have a, have a link on my, on my Instagram where people can go and they can actually schedule calls with me. They're free. It's just a discovery call just to know where they're at and how I could actually be of help to them. And if we're actually a good fit for each other so that we could work together. And yeah, I, I do live videos. I do, I'm mostly active on Instagram. I love Instagram and I post a lot of things on YouTube. So a lot of people see me there and I do post a lot of things on purpose and mindset. So if anyone has a question, they can message me, they can talk to me, we can get on a call, we can see how things go. And yeah, that's about it. So it, you guys can find me as AMPM underscore coach or AMPM coach on YouTube. All right. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. I can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on my chest. If you like this episode, please like, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, or you can just share it with someone you know. Please continue to help us grow by leaving those reviews. It's helping tremendously, and we're getting in contact with more guests um, who are higher profile. Oh, my God, I completely forgot to mention hands. (laughs) I forgot. (laughs) Okay, let's talk about it now. I mean, I guess I can I can just put it in the description. I can do that. <laughs> no, but it's powerful, though. Oh, my God. So, we're both so, part of it. So, so, Anna and I are both members of HANDS, Herpes Activist Networking, to dismantle stigma. <laughs> I might have to cut this and put it somewhere in the beginning. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, like we got so caught up in the conversation that we forgot to mention that. And we're currently working on a few huge projects right now. Um, in order to help with destigmatizing herpes um, and reaching out to the media in turn and trying to get people on board with not using stigmatizing language so that we can get things to a place where people who have herpes are able to feel more comfortable in sharing that information with people around them. Everybody knows somebody with herpes. We just may not know it yet. While I'm saying this, I also want to include that I'll be in South by Southwest with Laura Aisha from the Ignite Intimacy podcast. By the time you get this uh, episode or by the time you hear this, um, it'll be probably two weeks away, two, three weeks away. But if you're in Austin for South by Southwest, please come by and watch our live podcast recording for Ignite Intimacy, where we're going to be talking about how to make disclosure sexy. So that's going to be on March 9th at South by Southwest at the JW Marriott in Austin, Texas. Uh, I believe the room is 207. Yeah, the room 207. So if you're there and you're able to make it, please come by. I'd love to say hi. I don't really get to interact with a lot of people because I think if people follow me on Instagram, they assume that everybody is going to just assume they have herpes or something. That could be a thing. I don't know. But till next time, stay positive.